Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. When Jesus shows up and he's introduced to our story and he does a work of restoration, he's not just restoring our story back to the way it was. Ultimately, here's what's happening. He's restoring us to him. He's making us righteous in his sight. Let me read to you before we get going fully today. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Such a, such a powerful verse. And it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Is there anybody in Christ this morning? Any believers out there? Anyone say, I'm a Christ follower, Christian? Come on. If anyone is in Christ. Now, here's the great news for those of you that aren't yet. You're in a great service today because we're going to introduce you to Jesus. And you're going to be able to get in him. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, brand new. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Man, the destruction part of your story, even though it might seem very vivid in our eyes and in our memory at times, in God's eyes, man, it's gone. He's created all things brand new. Amen? He's made it brand new. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. Verse 18, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Amen. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's such a powerful thought because when God restores our story, he doesn't just restore our story and make it brand new and this is beautiful. He doesn't just restore us back to himself where we become the righteousness of God. We're going to see in a minute, but here's what happens. He gives us a boldness and an authority, come on, to share our story so that other people can have hope in their life as well. It's awesome. Look at this now. He made the one who did not know sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so it's a work, the work of restoration isn't just the work of, hey, here was your story, it's ruined, it's wrecked, I'll redeem it, there you go, it's back to normal. Man, he makes it brand new, but not only that, man, it's a work of restoring our lives back to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where we can be righteous and right in his sight once again. And what's so awesome about this to me and this series that we've been going through, that's what's happening. People are coming forward and saying, here's my wreck, here's my baggage, here's my stuff, here it is. And all of a sudden they're presenting it, not to us, they're presenting it to Jesus, and Jesus is taking that and doing a great work, and he continues to pour out his spirit upon each and every one of us. You know, that's a promise of scripture that God will pour out his spirit upon his people. If we go back to the Old Testament to a book called Joel, Joel chapter 2, uh, Joel was a prophet, and here's one of the prophetic words that comes to him, which means it's, 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 it's speaking of the future that's going to come. These, this is going to happen. He says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and upon all blood. That's you and I. And so he's pouring out his spirit. Listen to me now. No matter what, his spirit's being poured out. Here's our part. Here's what we need to do. We need to make sure we're positioned to receive the outpouring of his spirit. And it's happening right here in Canvas Church. And so today's message as we get into Matthew chapter 5, go and turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Today's message, I believe, is one to kind of just capture 
what's happening in our church over the last couple weeks since we started this series and maybe even before, that we as a community, we as a church would make sure that we're hungering and thirsting after the right things, that we'd make sure we're positioning ourselves to to receive the outpouring of God's presence that's happening right now in our church because I believe great things are happening and even greater things are yet to come. If you believe that, say amen. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read this. And uh, let me just set it up for you. I'm actually going to go back into Matthew chapter 4. It won't be on the screens, but if you have your Bible, you can go back there a little bit. But here's what's happening is is, uh, Jesus is doing a work already, and uh, miracles are taking place, signs and wonders, incredible things are happening. And because these incredible things are happening, people now are flocking, crowds are flocking to Jesus to either check it out or to be a part of it themselves or to bring somebody that needs to be touched. And so there's these massive crowd. Word gets out. Man, God is moving through Jesus. Powerful things are happening. And all of a sudden now people come bringing their stuff and confessing their stuff. Sounds a lot like what's happening at Canvas Church right now. So let's read it. Matthew, I'm going to read chapter 4. Let's start in verse 24, and then we'll get into chapter 5. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, it says, Then the news about him, that's Jesus, spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, uh, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Okay, so we already set it up. You get the picture. Man, crazy things are happening. Supernatural things are happening. Cool stuff is happening. And because of that, this crowd comes. Now, as we jump into chapter 5, what we're going to see is that Jesus realizes what's going on, and he pauses to teach them before he does any more miracles. He pauses to teach them and to instruct them, and therefore we have what many of us have now uh, come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. Within the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we see this idea of the Beatitudes, and we're going to read the Beatitudes starting in verse 1, going to verse 11. We're not going to touch on all of them today, but we're going to highlight one of them this morning that I believe is going to help us as we're in this moment of positioning ourselves for what God is doing in our community. Now, the Beatitudes, for the longest time, I personally wondered why are they called the Beatitudes, and I always thought, well, that's because we're to be those attitudes, right? Pretty, pretty good way of, of thinking about it. That's what I'm to be, the Beatitudes. Uh, but, but honestly, I thought, man, that is so strange. Where did this come from? So let me just help you. Anybody else wonder where that came from, the Beatitudes, or am I the only one? Or has anybody even read the Bible before and Ever. It's okay if you haven't. You're in the right place if you haven't because we're going to teach you today, okay? Beatitudes. This is why they're called the Beatitudes because every one of these attitudes, as you read it, it starts with bless. Blessed are these people, okay? And, and it, so the Beatitude part comes from the Latin word beatus, which literally means blessed. And so we put this attitude together with the Latin word beatus, and you have the Beatitudes or blessed attitudes. Are you with me? So we're going to read them. We're going to learn. Anybody learn anything right there? Come on, anybody else? Come on, did you learn something or did you already already knew all that past? Okay, we learned, so we can just pray and go home right now then, right? But we're not going to. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's read this starting in verse, um, where did my Bible go? There it is. Starting in verse 1, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. And when he saw the crowds, why are the crowds there? The crowds there because of the outpouring of his spirit, the great things that are taking place. He went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. 
Then he began to teach them, saying, listen to it now. The poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. So much in there, but I want to highlight this one in verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because they will be filled as they hunger and thirst after the right thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments, the Lord, you would teach us from Matthew chapter 5 that, God, we would walk out of here having a greater understanding of, of, of what you want us to go after, God, what you want us to pursue, that we would have a greater understanding of how we can live uh, this thing called Christianity. Uh, Lord, I pray for all those in here right now that have never stepped into that yet. They're still visiting, checking it out, thinking about it. I pray that you'd open up their hearts today as well. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Recently, um, I came into a, a new food um, that I absolutely love. Anybody ever tasted something before and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I got to have it all the time. No? All right. You need to taste some new food then. All right. Um, I just recently uh, came into this new food. It was introduced to me. Um, as a matter of fact, what happened was is uh, we were going on a little staycation and someone said, you have to go to Cafe by the Bay. And the reason you got to go to Cafe by the Bay, um, it's actually owned by somebody in our, in our church. So if you've never checked it out, check it out. Great food. Uh, but one of the things they are known for, and at the moment, I didn't know how to say it. And um, it was one of those things, I'm like, I don't know, how do you say this? Is that a, a Kai bowl? I know some of you guys are like, that's acai, Pastor. Like, you knew right off the bat what it was called, Right. I mean, I was looking, I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know how to, I mean, have you ever had those moments when you don't know how to pronounce something and no one corrects you when you're wrong? Most embarrassing moments ever. I don't know. I probably walked around calling it an acai bowl and a chai bowl until someone was like, I was just talking to them. So I was like, oh yeah, have you ever had an acai bowl? And I'm like, oh, right? I never forget when we first moved to San Diego and my wife was going to go to Christian Heritage University, which is now San Diego Christian University College. Um, and, um, and so we were just new to San Diego and you can always tell when someone's new to an area because they butcher the names of cities, right? La Jolla? Come on, somebody, right? Where'd you hang out? I went to La Jolla Beach. It was awesome. And uh, I'll never forget, we went out to the college and we're visiting it out there. And so we were at the administrative and they're like, Hey, we're new and we're looking for a place to live in El Cajun. Can you help us out and help us find a place, you know? And they're just looking at us like, yeah, we might be able to do that. Not willing to correct us. And so for like 48 hours, we're talking to people like, yeah, she's going to school in El Cajun, right? You just look like a, don't be that person. Would you just correct us, all right, if we're saying something wrong, all right? Like a Kai bowl. Oh, yeah, I've had those too. Dork, right? And so I came into this food, 
and this, this acai bowl. How many of you guys ever had an acai bowl? Come on, it is like, it is from heaven. Come on, somebody. And I, people would tell me about it, like, you got to have one, you got to have one. And finally, I tasted it, and I just, I'm just going to be real honest with you from the moment. See, we didn't know what we were going to get into. And so we just bought one to share with the four of us in case we didn't like it. And so my daughters and my wife and I, we are sitting there with four spoons, and we take one bite. Now we're fighting over the acai bowl, right? We're like, no, it's mine, it's mine. We're just, we're just pounding this thing down. We're like, that was so good. Now, ever since I've had that acai bowl, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be straight up honest with you. For like two weeks straight, I had an acai bowl every single morning. Come on, somebody. Because it's that good. I felt like one of the children walking around in the wilderness. And it was like my manna from heaven. Come on, somebody. And every morning, it wasn't falling for me. I had to prepare it, but it was so good. So good. They say it's good for you as well until you probably pile on the granola, the honey, the coconut, and all the, the peanut butter. Come on, somebody, protein style. But, man, I, I was just, I love this stuff. And I, would, I was having it every morning. We're trying to figure out where, where, you know, how we can make our own. Where's the best one in the neighborhood? And, and we're, 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 like, we, we might have even started a little acai small group. I don't know. But, because our church is all about small groups. And it's like, if it's that good, it's got to be a small group. Love it. But I, can I tell you this? Before I'd ever tasted an acai bowl, I had no craving for it whatsoever. I had no appetite for it. I didn't even know what it was. People talk about it, and I'm like, you guys are weird. You probably drink kombucha as well, don't you? You're probably using essential oils too, aren't you? I know it. It's one of those. You're trying to, you're trying to get me in, right? I just would look at them like, ah, I don't know. And then I tasted it. And from the moment I tasted it, I'm like, praise Jesus right? It's amazing. And see, there's some of you sitting here right now, you're like, I've never had one. But now you're going to. And you're going to be like, that is so good. But until I had one, I never had an appetite for it. I never had a craving for it. I never even, but ever since I've tasted now, when I want it, it's the only thing that fills me up. Hmm. Here is the reality of your spiritual journey. Some of us have never tasted righteousness. Some of us had never tasted what the Bible's saying, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you shall be filled. And you're looking at me much like I was looking at the people who were telling me about the acai bowl before I ever tasted the acai bowl. You're like, that's weird. How do you, how do you hunger for righteousness? How do you thirst for righteousness? What is even righteousness? But there's a whole nother group of us in here that have tasted Righteousness. And we've come to know what it is to be in right standing with God. And, and because we're in right standing with God, to have the blessings of God on our life. And now because of that, we actually crave it. We actually want it. And so for those of us that haven't yet, it's real easy. You just got to step in. You got to taste. And all of a sudden you're going to realize, man, righteousness is, is good. And that's what's been happening here at Canvas Church. When people step out because they heard somebody else's story. And they're like, man, here's, here's my story. Here's my junk. All of a sudden, God shows up and begins to pour out his righteousness upon them, begins to pull them back into a relationship. And now they're like, wow, this is really good. And now what do they want to do? They want to tell somebody else about it. They want to share their story of what God has done in their, their life. But here we are, and we're like, well, what, what is righteousness? I mean, I had, to, I had somebody describe, what is it? I said, well, it's a very 
and they sometimes blend it. And then, but it's, let's be honest, it's not just the acai that's good. It's everything else that is piled on top of it. Come on, somebody. The honey, the granola, right? But like a lot of us sitting here, we're like, well, pastor, what, what is righteousness? Let me tell you what righteousness is. This is the biblical definition of righteousness, and it's a Greek word I can't pronounce, so I won't try. But here's the meaning. It's the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved by God. In other words, this is like, like, like okay, yeah, that's, you're, you're living God. Here, let's go a little further. It's integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Wow. In other words, it's every area of our life. Being aligned with God. Being, being aligned. And let me just put it this way. It's the state of being right with God. That's what it is. It's the state of being right with God. And God looks down, man, and it's, there it is. How do I get there? We read it, 2 Corinthians 5. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ. Now, as we go into today's message out of Matthew 5, 6, listen, we don't become righteous because we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We become righteousness because of the work of Jesus Christ. The work that he did, the life he lived on earth, we can read about it in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we read about his life. It's the life he lived on earth, leaving us an example of how we ought to live. But it's not just that, it's his death on the cross where he died for all the sins of humanity, which literally bridged the gap between us and God so that we can be right. But it's not just that, it's the fact that he rose again from the grave. He rose again from the dead so that we could rise and have a brand new life in him. Amen? But it's not just that. It's the work he did through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, thus providing a way for the Holy Spirit to come. Because Jesus said this, he told his disciples after he had done the work he came to do on earth, he looked at his disciples and he said, guys, I'm going to be with the Father. And they freaked out and they're like, what? Don't leave us. You're like our teacher. You're our instructor. We want to follow you. And he goes, no, no, no. It's better for you that I do leave because if I leave, I'm going to leave you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to indwell your life and he's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. We don't become righteous because we crave it enough, because we, we, we ask for it enough. No, no, we become righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? But once we've come into that work and we say, man, I've seen how good Jesus is, how good God is. This is how we continue to grow. Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus sees the people, the crowd's coming, and he sees their appetite, and he sees that they're craving the supernatural. And he sees that they're craving the blessings that come with following a godly lifestyle and going after Jesus. And so he pauses all of that stuff for a moment and says, I'm going to teach you for a moment. He begins the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey, blessed are those that. And he comes this one and says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want to go back one verse because I want you to see this. And it says this in the verse before. In verse chapter 5, it says, The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. This is what it says. The gentle are blessed. It gives the idea in that verse that you can be gentle. Amen. You know you can be gentle, right? You don't have to respond harshly to others. 
I know this is like an epiphany to some of you. You're like, oh. When you're having conflict with your roommate, anybody have a roommate, a sibling, a brother, a sister? Are you all solo children and you live on the street? Where are you living at? Like, okay. Gentleness. Here's what the Bible says. Hey, you can be gentle. Okay. Come on. Do I have any married people in here? Okay. Just because your spouse might respond harshly to you doesn't mean you have to respond harshly to them. Oh, it's getting quiet now. Okay. All right. Just because your kids are misbehaving, come on, somebody. Okay. Just because my kids misbehave, yours apparently don't, um, doesn't mean I have to respond harshly to them. And my daughter just said amen. She wrote that one down. I saw her. She's taking notes on that one. She got done Snapchat, and she's like, oh, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> you can be gentle. This is something you can be, okay? And it's a good thing to be. What? Just try that this week. Try being gentle in every circumstance and situation and see what happens. Initially, it'll tick off the person that's being harsh with you. And inside, you'll be like, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. <laughs> but then eventually, it's going to be like, wow, this person really isn't reacting. No, we're being gentle. It, it, it gives us the idea in that verse that you can be gentle. But look at the next one now. It says this. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed. It paints the idea that I cannot be righteous on my own. The only thing I can do is I can have a hunger for it and a thirst for it. Because the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, we can't be righteous on our own. We need Jesus in order to be righteous. We need the work of the cross in order to be righteous. We need every, he's the one that makes us righteous. But now that we are righteous in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, there is an appetite, much like I had the appetite for the acai bowl, there's an appetite that says, man, nothing's going to satisfy me except for righteousness. And so Jesus begins to teach him this. He says, hey, guys, you want to be filled? Anybody in here want to be filled? Anybody want to bless life? Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to hunger and you're going to thirst for righteousness. So let me just give this to you in the next few moments that we have together. Two ways I believe I see in this passage that, that we can grow in righteousness, that we can grow in that right standing with God, integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. The first one is this. Number one is a hunger. A hunger. I mean, know what it says? Blessed are those that hunger for righteousness. Hunger. This is the word hunger here, and it's the word paneo in the Bible, and it means to crave ardently. That's a big word. That, like many of you, you're going to have to go home and look it up later. Right? Sometimes it's funny when I'm studying, and I'm like, okay, what's the biblical definition? And then i got to look up three more words. Okay, i got the biblical, but I don't know what the ardently I thought that was ardent. Wasn't that an animal or something? Or ardently. You got it, Ashley. Thank you. Perfect. To crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. Look, look at that. This isn't just like when you and I get hungry. Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. I need something. And you just go grab a little snack bar, and you're like, oh, I'm good. No, this is, this is different. This is a craving, a desire for something specific. 
and nothing is going to satisfy my hunger. Nothing is going to satisfy my craving except for that one thing. Blessed are those that crave ardently, have a desire for righteousness. Are you, are you hearing this today? Rightness, being in right standing, that's what I want because I've, I've tasted now. Nothing else will, will satisfy that. Just this last Tuesday, my wife and I, we have a new tradition because uh, my daughters are taking hip-hop class on, on Tuesday night. Come on, so they got their dance moves like their father. And so they are doing hip-hop class, and it's about an hour and 15-minute class. And so where the class is located, there's a lot of restaurants and stuff. And so we have this new tradition in our house. We will drop them off at class, and every Tuesday night during that class is date night for me and my wife. Awesome. Lots of fun. And so we kind of pick a different restaurant each time and try the food. And so last Tuesday night, we specifically picked a restaurant called The Wooden Spoon. And it's so good. And so somebody just had a, a Jesus moment on here. Did you hear that? Someone over here is fanning her. Get the modesty cloth and throw it over it. it. The wooden spoon. It is so good. It's like an American diner with some twists on it, man. And so we had eaten there before, and I remembered how good it was. It's been a while. Like, that's where I want to go. And so literally about an hour, two hours before the date, I'm a planner. The way I am, I'm online picking out what I'm going to eat. Come on, somebody. So I'm looking at the menu, and I'm like, yep, I want the wooden spoon fries with the cheese sauce and the gravy covered on them. I want the burger. And, man, I had it all picked. Anybody in here getting hungry? Uh Uh-huh. And so, man, I had it all picked out, and I'm so excited to go to the wooden spoon. And so, man, I already know what I'm going to get. My wife, she's like, I don't know. I'll just pick it out when we get there. And and in other words, she's going to sample mine like mine and want to trade hers for mine. Anyway, we'll do a story on bitterness later. And so... We drop the kids off, and we pull up to the wooden spoon, and it is closed for renovation. That was like the biggest Holy Spirit moment we've had in church in a long time. That was like, oh. I mean, people are running to the front to get saved. This is. (laughs) Come back, Jesus. I don't know what we're talking about. Wooden spoon, because it's totally biblical. And it's closed for renovation. And I am literally at that moment, I literally almost, I did, okay, I didn't almost, I freak out. I am so angry, because I've already picked it out. I know what I want. I know that this is what, is there anybody in there that can relate right now? Thank you for being honest in church, right? Like, in the, in the, in the modern day and age we live in, you couldn't have put on your website, clothes for remodeling. Oh, no, 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 no. And so I kid you not, I, I probably ruined the first half of our date because I am so mad. True story. And she's just taking it like a trooper. And the reason she's taking it like a trooper is because she didn't look at the menu and have a craving like I did. She played it off like, well, I'm just pure and holy and good. And nothing phases me. And I'm just like, whatever. Next time I'm going to make her look at the menu. Pick out what you want now. Pick it. Yeah, no, you want that. All right, we're going. I'm mad. And so she's like, well, there's a Mexican place over here we haven't tried yet. And I'm like, American Diner Mexican. Like, not the same thing, but it's open and I'm hungry. And so we pull up, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I like seafood and I like Mexican food, but it was Mexican seafood style restaurant. And I'm like, that is not a burger. 
That's not a cow. That, And so we, walk, we literally walked into the restaurant, and I am having the worst attitude ever. And she's keeping an open mind about it. She's like, the menu, and I look at it, and I was like, we're not going here. And so we walk out, and she goes, well, if you take any more time deciding, we're not going to have a date night. I'm like, fine, let's just go to this place. So we went to this little pub, and we got some food, and the food was good. But it wasn't what I was craving. And so literally, I left that place having had, and I kid you not, this is how bad it was. This actually gets more comical. I actually had a piece of salmon and a steak at that pub. All right? I didn't eat, it was the way they served it. So I'm like, fine, I got the Mexican seafood and I got the American diner all on one plate. There, we happy? I'm having a good time, babe. Can you tell? <laughs> and But yet we walked out, and I kid you not, although... I had put something in my stomach, I was still craving the wooden spoon because I was having a hangry moment. Are you with me right there? Anybody ever been hangry before? And I'm sorry, Snickers doesn't satisfy it, right? I wanted something. I needed it. It wasn't there. Listen to me. Some of us are like that spiritually. It's a spiritual hangry moment. Come on, somebody. You're going after things and you're doing things that maybe are even good things. Maybe are even maybe are even appropriate things. It's not about doing something that's bad. Trying to no, you're doing good things, but yet you still walk away feeling like I did that night. I'm still hungry because I can only be satisfied with this craving if I go after righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger have a have a have a craving, this desire for rightness. How do I how do I satisfy that, Pastor? I believe we satisfy that hunger through the Word of God through the word of God. Let me give you a couple of verses here. I, I believe that satisfy, the only thing we can satisfy the righteous hunger in our lives is through the word of God. Romans 1, 16. Just write that down. You can read it later. It says this. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. Listen now. It goes on to say, for in it, the righteousness of God is being revealed from faith to faith. In what? In this. I have to get in this because in this, the good news, the Bible, the message about Jesus, the message about God, in it, man, the righteousness is being revealed. It's the only thing that satisfies that hunger. In the Old Testament, there was a, another hard-to-pronounce book or word. It's called Job. You probably called it Job like me, and no one ever corrected me until later. You know that's Job, right? And I'm like, it's spelled the same. All depends on context. Right? And in the book, Job's going through a really hard time, but he makes this statement that's so powerful. In Job chapter 23, verse 12, he says, I esteem, let me just read it to you this, of this translation. He says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth, talking about God, more than my daily food. This is Job. I mean, Job talking. God, I need your word. I need what you're speaking, what you're saying, more than I need food. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Talks, it talks about this. It says, we, will, we, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. Such a powerful thought. The only thing that will satisfy the hunger for righteousness in our life is the word of God. 
And in closing, let me just give you this one. The other thing I see here that we grow in the righteousness of God is when we have a thirst. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But, but I, had, I had a hard time with that for a long time because when I'm hungry for something, I don't need, I don't need you know, liquid to satisfy. It doesn't satisfy me. I need, I need food. That's the word of God. But yet there is a thirst for righteousness, and that thirst that I have in my natural life, I, I can be super thirsty, but me having a burger isn't going to quench that thirst. I need something. And that's what the Bible says. But so there's a hunger and thirst. I hunger. I need the word. It satisfies me. It, it gives me instruction. And I, I can see the work of Jesus Christ through the word of God. And, man, it fills me up. And I want to I be more. I want to live like Jesus. But then there is another part to that. There is a thirst for righteousness that can only be satisfied by the spirit of God. That can only be satisfied by the Holy Spirit. Nothing will satisfy. And you don't want to miss next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe in a way that you've never heard about the Holy Spirit before, and how it relates to the story of your life, and how he empowers us. And if you open up your life to the work of the Holy Spirit, how it'll radically transform your story from being wrecked to your story to being restored. The work of the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that satisfies the thirst for righteousness. And that's why Jesus said, man, I'm going, my work's done, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. He's going to lead you and guide you in righteousness. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. Just like you couldn't become righteous on your own, it was the work of Jesus. You can't continue to thrive in it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. So my part isn't to try to be more righteous. See, there's people in here trying to be more righteous. You're trying to do something to be more righteous. You're trying to work towards righteousness. You can't. The only thing you can do is have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled. You're going to be filled through the appetite of the word of God as it fills you with righteousness. But you've got to have a thirst for righteousness as well, which is only satisfied by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of your life. Jesus made this statement because he knew it, that people were going to be thirsty spiritually. He's not talking about natural. And he said this in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. The crowds once again are gathered around. Jesus goes into a teaching moment. He's on the last and the greatest day of the festival. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He wasn't speaking of a natural thirst. He was speaking of a spiritual thirst. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But listen to me, Jesus has been glorified. His work, man, is being completed now by the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to hunger for righteousness, Filled with the word of God, when you begin to thirst for righteousness, only satisfied by the spirit of God, listen to what the Bible says, is that that person is blessed and that person is filled. That person is blessed and that person is filled. But yet I think there's some of us that have come today and maybe we've come many times and we still don't feel filled. All you gotta do is begin to turn your hunger and your thirst towards righteousness, towards right living. See, too many of us, the only thing that can get, a, get in the way of that is carnality. Carnal thinking, carnal conversations, carnal actions, 
carnal ideas, carnal, well, that's what gets in the way. But blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.